Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Dallas Step Discussion for Monday night, March 5th, 2018. We're already solidly into March, and this coming weekend we get daylight savings time. Oh, hooray, 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 hooray. I am so glad that's coming. But uh hope everybody's had a good week, and uh, we've got a little bit of news tonight. I've got a little bit of news on, on my stuff, and I know Terry does. So uh, let's get the disclaimer out of the way and tell everybody that what you hear on this call is just discussion. That's why it's called Dallas Step Discussion. We don't give any legal advice here for numerous reasons. A couple of the most important ones being we have no idea what it is. And second of all, that's reserved for attorneys. Somehow they have some magical potion to uh, you know, figure out how to do legal advice. And of course... You pay them for it, so I guess that's their their secret. But we don't give it because we can't legally, and we sure wouldn't want to get ourselves in trouble and have somebody say, oh, these guys are giving legal advice. No, we're not. If you think that something you hear on this call is legal advice, other than if an attorney is here and identifies uh, him or herself as an attorney and says they're giving legal advice, there's no legal advice here. So please understand that. The context in which we speak, if we are talking with somebody and answering questions, uh, trying to help educate people, if we say, well, you want to do this or you want to do that or whatever, please understand the context that we are speaking in is what we would do if we were in your shoes, if we were in a similar situation. And our comments are based on not only our own personal experience, in litigating, because John, Terry, myself, the three moderators on this call, are all litigators in federal court. We have varying amounts of experience, but pretty substantial experience. That doesn't make us experts. Please understand that. We're not experts, but we've learned a lot. We study a lot. We've read an immense amount of documents uh, each and studied various things, but we're not experts. So... Don't take anything that we're saying as expert uh, advice or comments. We don't give advice. We make suggestions. We let you know what we would do if we were in a similar situation. That's the bottom line. But the whole idea is we're here for education. It's so people can learn about the consumer protection statutes, learn how to interpret them, how to understand them, how to use the courts properly, keyword there, properly Because if you don't, you're probably going to be less than successful or as as successful as you might be if you were using them properly. In other words, you need to learn the rules of whatever court you are litigating in. It doesn't matter whether it's a state-level court, a small claims court, or a federal court, or a 
federal appellate court or a state appellate court. There's rules for different things. The federal appellate rules are completely different than the federal rules of civil procedure. And the rules in most of your state courts are going to be somewhat different, although there's going to be similarities between the uh, state rules, the state rules of civil procedure, and the uh, small claims court. Your small claims court are a more informal court. They are designed to be able to let people that are not educated in the law come in and be able to bring a case before the court and deal with a problem they have and get it settled without having to have a, a great huge knowledge of the law. It is good to have some knowledge of it and the proper use of the courts, even if you're going to small claims court. You should do that. But the bottom line is we're here for uh, education, and we don't give advice. We give uh, our opinions on what we would do if we were in a similar situation. So please understand that's a context in which we speak all the time, every week, every year. And whoever's making all the clicky noise, I wish they'd quit it. All right. So anyway, uh, Sir John, I see you have joined us. How are you tonight? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm good. I uh, read what you sent, and I made a comment back to you. I saw it. Thank you very uh-huh. much. And, uh, well, uh, the way we always start this call out is to see if anybody has any good news. And the reason we do that is because we want to hear about the uh, the good things that are happening with people. Uh, unfortunately, we hear all too much negative stuff. I don't hear as much because I don't listen to the mainstream media. I don't watch TV. <laughs> There's a really good reason for that. It's because I'm just not into fake news and BS. So I uh, I avoid that, and I've got better things to do with the rest of my life. So uh, the, bo- the bottom line is if uh, you have got some good news, all you have to do is speak up and bring us your good news right now. Well, before I uh, say anything of my good news, I just got an email um, from uh, Brian, and you know he's been keeping track of the cases in the mm-hmm. project. And uh, Sandra, are you on? Yes, on she's the call? here. Oh, okay. If she hasn't looked at her docket, she needs to go look. I am having a problem with my computer, and it won't let me access, so I can go get it. But Brian said TransUnion has withdrawn their defenses. <laughs> that is sweet. <laughs> I was trying to go get the doc, Sandra, and I, I can't. My my computer's Firefox is just froze up. It's not doing anything, so it won't let me follow the link. Well, this stuff about affirmative defenses being withdrawn by these CRAs is getting to be a common occurrence with our members that are 
moving to strike them. In other words, they are so used to putting so much BS in front of the court, just the old rubber stamp, same old crap, stick this stuff in, fill up the paper, charge the customer, their client, a bunch of money because, boy, they're really putting up quite a defense. But all of a sudden, you got these uppity pro se's that are challenging them. And are they stepping up to the plate or are they backing away? And the answer is they're backing away because we're calling BS on them. And they're not used to it. Yeah, and uh, that was my uh, news. I did this morning file a motion for a sir reply and a sir reply attached to it with uh, documented evidence to show that uh, in their response to my motion against their motion to dismiss, they flat out lied to the court in a pretty big way um, on a couple of issues. And in order to prove to the court that they were, A, flat out lying on one issue, and B, lying by omission and refusal to acknowledge on the other, I had to put in, and this is something I would never normally do, I had to put in copies in exhibits of my Social Security number, driver's license, and utility bill. Social Security card, not number. Uh, Yeah, Social Security card. But last night I took the time to sit down and figure out how to cut a, a couple of little pieces of paper with tiny pieces of tape behind them to block out my driver's license number and picture and the number on my Social Security card. And I checked with the clerk this morning to make sure that that would be okay because that is actually redacting original evidence. I was sending what I had sent to them, and they were saying I didn't send anything to verify my address. Um, See, remember, they they never sent me anything to either one of the letters, they responded with those BS letters, we need more ID, and they had everything the whole time. So I had to put that in, and the clerk said, oh, no, no, you need to redact it. So the way I did it last night with the little pieces of paper was the perfect right way to do it. So first thing this morning, I already had those copies. I had them made both ways. So either way, she told me if she was going to file them under seal or they could be redacted, they'd be ready to go. I put them together, and I took them off to the post office and got them on their way. And um, I had decided to mail them priority because everybody knows I have to deal with the mail. I'm a very long way from my court. I'm almost in Tennessee And um, it has been taking a week for anything I send to the court to get to Asheville, which is a three-hour drive, you know. This is kind of ridiculous. And I mentioned that to the clerk 
because I was afraid there was going to be a time limit on me filing a SIR reply. It, pleasantly, she said, no, there was no limit on it, um, and that's good. But she said, oh, well, it's not your post office. The reason it's taking a week, this just blew me away, anything mailed within the state of North Carolina to anybody else in North Carolina has to go to South Carolina first because the main post office was in Asheville and they have closed it. So now all the mail gets routed out of state and back in the state. So I I did send it priority, so that would at least cut a couple of days off the trip in one of those priority white envelopes that gets uh, proper attention. And then uh, the other thing I had asked her was about filing a clerk's default because Equifax, it was their idea, first thing they did after they got served was call me up and ask if I wanted to settle like they did with Dave and with Sandra. And, of course, I'm all for that. What do we want? You want the check, right? So I did my end. I sent them the W-9. I put in the notice of settlement with the court, and he wouldn't answer me, wouldn't answer me, wasn't sending me the settlement agreement. Meanwhile, he's fighting with Sandra and, and Dave over the settlement agreement, and the issue comes up about him getting a credit report. There is a paragraph in their settlement agreement that uh, includes a credit report attached to the settlement agreement, and you're agreeing that everything in it is accurate, which is ridiculous. And I had made it clear I gave no permission for a, a credit report. Well, by that time, he'd gotten smart enough not to attach it, but he sent me the same settlement agreement. I wrote back, made a couple of minor adjustments, such as they wanted me to dismiss the case against them, um, and they wouldn't commit to when they would pay me. <laughs> I'm like, no, that doesn't work. So I wanted him to fix that and take out paragraph 7. Well, that was, mm, what, about 10 days, 11, 12 days ago. Well, I was going to say about two weeks, close to two weeks. Yeah, and not a word. Just refused to communicate with me. Meanwhile, the notice to, uh, for settlement is on the docket, and they got served January 31st, so they had until the 21st to put in an answer, and we're 12, 13 days past that now. So I asked the clerk about filing a clerk's default, and that's when I found out that even though TransUnion and Experian have put in their responsive pleadings, a motion to dismiss, and an answer, because North Carolina requires the proof of service to be sent to the court before their 21 days even starts, Equifax is not actually past their deadline. So, at, and I was not aware of that. So I had to get 
together the proofs of service and the green cards, go back to the post office. We had to get those sent out um, by priority mail so they can get to the court. Meanwhile, he's not speaking to me, and I'm not going to kick the sleeping dog. Let him, let him drag his heels. So that's my news. Well, slowly but surely. Um, you know, it's uh, as everybody should know by now that uh, is with us. It's a process. It isn't just one thing where it's like boom, boom, boom. Uh, it's it's a process. Whatever comes down the pike, you have to deal with it. When they put in ridiculous affirmative defenses, I'm not going to sit back and allow that to go on. I'm going to move to strike it. The pleading standards on affirmative defenses are basically the same they are with a, a complaint. And uh, it uh, has to be uh, plausible. And if they're not plausible, well, you know, guess what? They're gone. <laughs> it's uh, That's just the way it's going to go. So um, what uh, what have I done in the intervening several days? Uh and the last week, I filed my lawsuit against uh, portfolio recovery. So that is now in, in motion. My my friend mailed the uh, summons and complaint to uh, the registered agent. So we'll uh, let that move through its process. But then uh, uh, last Friday, Experian decided they would file their response to my opposition to their motion to dismiss. And, of course, it was pretty goofy, just like the uh, motion to dismiss. And I gave a lot of consideration through the weekend to do I want to do a sir reply, which I can do without leave of the court. Terry has to get leave of the court. And... uh, I decided that I was going to go ahead and uh, do a SIR reply. So I went ahead and I filed that today. And it's fairly short. And I will uh, I will read it to everybody. Basically, uh, they came back. In fact, I'll I'll read you just a little bit. Uh, let me turn my other computer on here. Uh, I uh, I will read you just a little bit if I can find it here real quickly. If not, that's okay. Um, the uh, there they were saying I was confused between a full file disclosure and a credit report. Well, hmm. here's what I had to say about it. TransUnion, in its response to Mr. Mack's opposition to its motion to dismiss, argues that he is confused. 
nothing could be further from the truth. It appears the only party confused, or possibly appearing to be so intentionally, is TransUnion. TransUnion attempts to make something that should be extremely simple, complex. There is no confusion on Mr. Mack's part of what a consumer file disclosure is versus a consumer report. Even a cursory reading of several paragraphs in his complaint, document 1, paragraphs 13, 14, 15, 17, 21, 25, and 29, tells the entire story. Plaintiff makes no claims about any report being provided to a third party. Basically, what they were saying is because there was no report provided to a third party, I had no complaint because that doesn't fall under 1681G. In other words, I guess they can't read. Or or maybe they're intentionally confused. Yeah, who's confused here? Yeah. Plaintiff makes no claims about any report being provided to a third party, but instead references what could potentially happen if that were to occur with erroneous information and his consumer file being provided to a third party, which he is unaware of and unable to review for accuracy. Plaintiff made it clear beyond any question what he was asking for in the letters to TransUnion, documents 1-2 and 1-3, and in presenting the facts in his lawsuit using the proper terminology directly out of the FCRA. As stated in his opposition, Mr. Mack points out the exact language TransUnion had on the front page of the document provided to him in response to his request. Enclosed is the TransUnion personal credit report that you requested. How is sending a personal credit report responsive to a request for a full consumer file disclosure? Confusion reigns here but it is only on the part of TransUnion. TransUnion also argues the court should disregard the extrinsic extrinsic evidence introduced by plaintiff as opposition, but fails to take note of the fact that it was in response to its arguments that plaintiff had no basis for his information and belief allegations in his complaint. Plaintiff was merely bringing forth the facts of his known information, which led to his belief that there likely is more in his TransUnion consumer file than was disclosed. TransUnion's argument is an attempt to misdirect the court as baseless and without merit. The bottom line is very simple, as previously stated by plaintiff. Why doesn't TransUnion just categorically state it provided all information in Mr. Mack's consumer file upon his request, and this will all come to an end? The answer would seem to be rather obvious to any reasonable person. As Paul Harvey might have said, there is more to the story. For TransUnion to come before the court with its baseless arguments and attempts to confuse the court, is a waste of precious judicial resources. Wherefore, plaintiff respectfully requests this honorable court enter an order denying TransUnion's motion to dismiss and issue an order for it to answer the complaint so this case may move forward to adjudication on the merits. And that is on the docket. So now let's hurry up and wait for the court to make a decision on this so that we can proceed. And 
we wanted to talk to everybody about Sir Replies in particular. Um, now, Dave's situation with them is completely different than my situation with them. And in mine, it's really pretty simple. They didn't send me anything, either time, either letter. They lie to the court and say I didn't send them uh, what they asked for in their silly letter, when in fact I did. They tried to insinuate, well, they flat out said it, that what uh, was in the exhibits with the complaint is all there was. In other words, just the letters back and forth, even though the complaint does say there were other documents. Uh-oh. I'm not sure what that was. Haley, what was that? Oh. Uh-oh. Something going on at Terry's house. Uh-oh. Her light fell off of her dresser. Okay. Anyway, um, that was pretty loud hitting the floor. But it was on the floor above me, and it's not carpeted. Okay. Did you hear that when it went down? Anyway. Yeah, they, I, I heard it. They tried to say that I sent a Georgia driver's license, so, of course, the addresses couldn't match. It's just whacked out. It's an absolute lie. So... Of course, you want to, you get angry over it. I did. And as, you know, Dave says, nope, it's got to be business. And with sir replies, you've got to keep it really, really short because the courts don't have a lot of patience for sir replies. My court, you can't even have one unless this judge decides that the content of the sir reply you want to file um, it involves unfairness to you in what the other side did. So I'm going to read you what mine was. You can see the, the big differences in the two situations and how simple it should remain. I won't do the comes now plaintiff, you know. This is the argument. In Doc 19, page 1-3 of TransUnion's reply, it argues that plaintiff failed to comply with conditions precedent of 1681HA1 to verify identity and address, and therefore it was not obligated to provide a full consumer file disclosure. TransUnion deliberately attempts to grossly mislead the court. Plaintiff made her first request and for identification, provided her current valid North Carolina driver's license, the Exhibit 1, and a copy of her Social Security card. Upon TransUnion's response, which was a letter requesting additional identification information, plaintiff did, in fact, provide additional information in the form of a copy of her current DISH network bill, the Exhibit 2. The DISH Network bill exhibits the exact same address as is shown on the valid and legible. They also said, I didn't say if it was legible. I, excuse me. North Carolina driver's license provided initially with plaintiff's first request for her full consumer file disclosure. And again, 
At the same time, the DISH network bill was provided with her second request. It would be obvious to a human viewing these separate identification documents that the addresses are exactly the same. One can only imagine a computer would be as competent in reading those documents, but apparently was not. TransUnion's argument is frivolous, and their statement that plaintiffs failed to send additional documentation as requested borders on an outright lie. At no time in the last 12 months has plaintiff provided a Georgia driver's license to TransUnion, as is apparent by the issue date on plaintiff's North Carolina driver's license of July 18, 2017, which had been reissued upon plaintiff obtaining a motorcycle endorsement. Plaintiff surrendered her Georgia driver's license upon registration of her vehicles in North Carolina in May of 2017. Wherefore, plaintiff respectfully requests the court examine the evidence provided by plaintiff, which plainly supports her claim, and deny TransUnion's motion to dismiss. Should the court find that plaintiff has failed to state a claim upon which relief can be granted, plaintiff requests the court grant leave for her to file an amended complaint to cure any deficiencies. Now, you see, the lie that they stated to the court that I had sent a Georgia's driver's license, I have now made it clear to the court that would have been absolutely, 100%, physically impossible because I surrendered that license in May of 2017, and those letters didn't happen until September and October of that year. They're busted. And I didn't have to come out and call them every name in the book. And, you know, this is my first impression with this judge. The research I did on this judge uh, is that he, regardless of his personal opinion, and he's entitled to whatever his personal opinions are, he is a by-the-book, by-the-law, and absolutely fair judge. And I can't ask any more of that. I want to appear to be a reasonable pro se who does things right and also is only after fairness and truth. So it was short. It was to the point, And it covered what had to be covered. There were other silly things that they wrote in their reply that the court can clearly see is just BS and and you know, an attempt to mislead the court. But <laughs> while I was looking for some case law, because in my case, again, Dave gets to file a sir reply whenever he wants to. I can't. I have to motion for leave of the court. So the case law that Dave was using, I could have used it, but I took the time to go hunt some down for North Carolina. And as luck would have it, the only case law I found was a case with my judge and a person wanting to file a SIR reply, which he denied for two reasons. First, 
they waited until after uh, other pleadings were filed. In other words, they didn't fi- uh, request the SIR reply in a timely manner right when it happened. They waited quite a while until other pleadings went in, and then they tried to serve reply the opposite or the reply to the opposition for the motion to dismiss. So he, they were way out of time, and the judge stated, and he had a good uh, uh, citation, case citation, and he stated he was denying it because, as that citation pointed out. This, this was another case, it would only be proper in, in his eyes to approve a sir reply if it was a matter of fairness and he didn't see anything that would be unfair to that person requesting the sir reply. But in my case, we'll see what he says. And he made a remark in there. And that was that the rest of, I guess it must have been lengthy, this uh, motion for sir reply, that the rest of what was in it, he was, I guess, maybe uh, uh, offended because the remark he made was the court can read and knows the facts of the case and understands them. So apparently this plaintiff or or defendant, I can't remember which, going for the sir reply was trying to do the judge's job and re-argue things and I could clearly see this judge has no patience for that. If there's something unfair, deal with that and that's all. So right. and Dave helped keep me keep it short. So that's important. It's fine to do a sir reply when it's needed, and when they are trying to mislead the court, they've made false statements, like in Dave's and in my case. You do need to speak up, but only about that in as short a way as you can. Right. Yeah. You want to uh, keep your sir replies pretty short. Uh, you know, given the circumstances. I had done one in one of my Midland cases years ago, and it was very extensive, but it's because of the BS that uh, the uh, motion to dismiss that Midland had put in was very extensive, and uh, I had to cover a lot of bases on it. That's the only reason that one was longer. But, you know, I I read you what I put in today. It was short, sweet, and to the point. You just addressed the... uh, the issues and uh, uh, then let the court do it. The, the reason is the court has to read enough stuff. You don't want to just keep piling on and you don't want to use a sir reply as <clears throat> just another chance to try and argue the whole case. You, that should only be used for specific things to clarify something uh, that you know the other side has lied about or misrepresented or whatever in their uh, uh, reply to your opposition. So, you know, if you if you guys find yourself in that position, a sir reply is fine. Don't get in the habit of thinking that you want to do that on various things. Uh, make a habit of it because you don't. 
only when it's really needed, when they're like it, obviously in mind, where they're flat out lying to the court. Yeah, and and you know. of course, in in both of our situations here, uh, it's a matter of if we don't win, the case is dismissed. Right. So that's a, a critical time, but you, you just don't want to think that, oh, well, you know, I can always go back and do a SIR reply and everything and have an, another bite at the apple. No, you're not going to find the court agreeing with you on that. Well, and I did have the physical evidence to prove that what I said was true and that they were lying. Right. So, you know, it wasn't just put in a SIR reply. He said, she said, no, here's the evidence, John. <clears throat> I asked the court. To examine it, if if Sandra is on and she's unmuted, I'd like to ask her a question. Well, she I can finally, unmute herself. All she's got to do is hit star six. I finally got that uh, got that doctor download. <laughs> yeah, just, she she knew uh, she knew that they were gonna uh, withdraw. Well, those. I tell you what, that's that's the shortest pleading I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> what? <It's, laughs> It's it's one sentence. Withdraws. Uh, you know, it says, TransUnion LLC by counsel hereby informs this court that TransUnion has agreed to withdraw affirmative defenses 2 through 13 from its answer and affirmative defenses respectfully submitted. <laughs> and and it, that's that's the shuck it people. Yeah. You know, with the constitutional the, the constitutional crap. Yeah, I wanted to ask her. Uh, how many were there? Two through thirteen. That's a lot. Uh, how many were there total? Well, I'll unmute her. Hello. Hello. We can't. We can't hear you. You're away from the phone. It's just echoing. Okay, you should hear me now. Yep, that's better. Okay. I didn't have any pressing things today, so I've been I've been listening and but doing kitchen work um, while we're, while sort of listening. So are you asking me how many in all how many um, affirmative defenses in all were there for, with TransUnion? Yeah, fourteen. Oh my God, they're left with one. What is it? I believe they're left. Okay. Uh, they're probably just uh, left with the freedom to add more later if. Jurisdictional uh, uh, failure to state a claim uh, upon which relief can be granted, and the other one—I'm going from memory. Uh, the other one was, yeah. Uh, as as more information comes, they reserve the right to use those as yeah. a form of defenses. Good job, Sandra. Really. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I I did file my motion to strike today. It was the last day, uh, but it's it's stamped, and it will probably get there. It'll probably be put on put on tomorrow. So they but did that's it, that's with Experian, though, isn't it? That is yes, that's with Experian. Yes. Yeah, and that's that's with the different defendant. The one that we've been talking about here is TransUnion. Right, and yeah. TransUnion did work with me. Uh, I did ask them when they were going to put. When could I expect to see their withdrawal, their notice of withdrawal, and they they notified me when they did it, and it was done. Whereas Experian, no. Uh, the, the the lawyer in charge was going away for the weekend, and oh, yeah, she just I remember that. couldn't be bothered. <laughs> so, okay. But then. anyways, I've, I've got a good motion to strike that's there, and it's probably you know, and I can use it again. It wasn't wasted energy, even though she even though she agreed 
Experian agreed to um, to uh, withdraw certain uh, affirmative defenses that I had said I was going to strike, even though she has not put in her motion, uh, her uh, notice to withdraw. Mm-hmm. But the motion's out there. And so. Well, see, they're just not used to this. Correct. They're 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 used to everybody just you know the their their bar card buddies. Uh, just going along with it and having all this crap in there and everything. Well, all of a sudden, you got people here that understand something about the law, and it's like, wait a minute, this is BS, and we're going to call it BS. And my motion was not, you know, I did look at your motion, Dave, and, and Terry, your motion to strike. Mine is not the same, but it, it has the same principles, and I didn't mm-hmm. want to have a cookie-cutter well, motion. And, right, time. and everybody should good. be doing their own things. They shouldn't just... Uh, Copy what we do. Uh, copy, yeah. Exactly. But the, exactly. the whole idea of us having that out there and you being able to watch our dockets is so that you can see how the arguments are made and, uh, you know, how we approach it. And then, you know, we've we've put information out on how to go about, uh, you know, looking at cases, you know, the ruling and right. that we got. And, you know, Sandra, I know you got a lot out of that. Uh I, I use yeah. that. That so that stuff's very valuable. You know, this stuff's all out there, you guys. You know, you got to do a little bit of research and find it. But it's yeah. not like I'm I'm doing something that's never done before, or Sander or, or Carrie. It, it's right. all been done before. The survey replies and everything else. Just got to go look for examples. That's all. Right, and, and they know that I can do my own paperwork. I mean, they, they do know that we all had identical uh, complaints, or nearly identical complaints. But now they know that mm-hmm. I can do my own paperwork. And mm-hmm. that's a record out there that in the future for anyone to see that, oh, yeah, she can do her own paperwork. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you, Terry. Yeah. Terry just wanted to cover that. So you can go back and play with your chickens some more. Well, no, it's not chickens. I'm, I'm doing cooking. Oh, uh, okay. But I'm going to continue listening. I'm just going to mute out. Oh, okay. Well, you're not cooking the chickens then. No, no, I'm, I'm cooking veggies because if I don't get veggies up ahead of time, I'm going to end up eating nothing but carbs while I do my paperwork. You know how oh, that goes. Okay. Yep. <laughs> yes. Okay, thanks. All right, you bet. Good job, Tender. Yeah, that's good. All right. Well, uh, one that's more time great. I'm going to ask if anybody has any good news they want to bring out. You don't have to hit star eight to do that. All you got to do is speak up. If anybody's got any good news, we really like to hear it because uh, we hear enough of the other crap. If not, we're going to go to Q&A. I got some good news. I got some good news. Wow. All right. Well, the first first gentleman that spoke up will take you, and then we'll go to the next one. We I love good it. news. That sounded like Thomas back there. No, the, uh, no, the first guy, the guy in Florida, has got the FCR case down here. Uh, anyways, I, my good news is I filed my response in opposition to the transition motion to dismiss, which is, which was, you know, virtually the same that Dave had in his case. Um, you know, same stupid topics like I was confused about consumer reports and things like that. So, yeah, I think they're going to be shocked to how fast I responded because I had a deadline, but I got it in today. So good. And, and I got um, an answer from Experian today as well. And it's got only five affirmative defenses, which I <laughs> plan to try to strike. The same same scenario that they're, you know, stating that uh, I can't mitigate damages and so forth. 
Oh, okay. Almost, almost, almost the same exact stuff that's on the same complaint. And I've got Autumn Patterson showed up as a co-defendant. The case. Uh, oh, you mean a co uh, pro hack vitae lawyer? Well, they didn't say that yet. She just just popped it up that she's uh, in the emails. Case. Right. <clears throat> so it's gonna get interesting. Yeah. But I had I, I had one when I was reading your um, uh, your response, Dave. I remember there was one. That they replied on your on their second reply, where they stated that you can't bring, you know, there, it's, there's nothing about bringing ex, extrinsic extra uh, information in and things like that. Because I added yeah. some extra stuff in mine too, and I added some other YouTube video stuff, and I added some other stuff, and I found some case law in my plane. It was like Dowser or Dowser versus Gord or something. I can email the case law to it, and it specifically says the pro se is able to bring in extra information on a motion to one one phase to with a motion to dismiss and it's good good case law that I could email it to oh, yeah. people. Yeah, go ahead and yeah, send it. I'd appreciate it. Yeah. Right. I figured I'd strike that down too with them, so I put that in my my uh, sure. background statement. But yeah, right. that's my good news, so it's it's moving along just as anticipated. So it's funny. But well, that's oh, great. one question one question on that I have for good news was for motion to, motions to strike, is there a deadline on the answers that, that need to be done, or can I just do it after I respond to them in email? What, what do you mean? Is there a deadline? You know, you have 14 days to respond to a motion. No, no, I meant their answer. When they put their answer in front of the defensive, then, um, is there like a deadline to respond with a motion to strike? I'm sorry. No. Well, oh, yeah. You have to, from the date that they file their answer, you have to uh, do your motion to strike within 21 days. Oh, okay, perfect, perfect. That's what I thought. Okay, just, just checking. I would, I, would, I would caution you check your local rules because for us, it's, it's 14 days for me to, uh, to respond to their motion to dismiss, but then if they reply, it's seven days. Yeah, no, Terry. He's he's talking about when they file their answer. How long have you got to uh, file a motion to strike the affirmative defenses? Correct. I still would check local rules. Mine are whacked right. out. Yeah. Well, if, if federal rules, civil procedure guide that, and that's 21 days. Okay, that's what I was thinking. That's what mine says too. I yeah, I, I can't. I can't. I, I've never heard of any local rule shortening that. Right. Right. Okay. But you should all, you know, you should always read your local rules and be familiar with them. Everybody should. Just go through it. You know, don't don't make assumptions. Read your rules. Yeah, and I've had to because North Carolina is very different from what I'm used to. So I don't take anything for granted up here. And nobody should. I reread mine because I hadn't read through my rules for oh. Two or three years, because you know I hadn't had a whole lot of litigation going on, and one of the best things I found in there that was changed was I don't have to send paper copies of whatever I file to the other side. I can send it by email, and that's saving me a lot of money and trips to the post office. So and also, also page counts are very important to read too, like on yes. the flies and stuff. Extremely, like some, extremely right. important, and I. I I constantly reference that. I even take it to the clerk just in case they ever give me grief, just so I can point it out to them in case because I've got 10 pages for reply. And that's 
that's not including the uh, cover page or the uh, certificate of service page, so some people need to be aware of that. Yeah, that's, that's correct. That's the local rules. Okay. Well, that was my good news, guys. And I'm All right. Well, thanks. Good job. Okay. Keep her up. All right. Now we had another gentleman that had some good news. Yeah, I have some uh, good news. Go for it. This is uh, Joe. I'm up here in sunny South Dakota. I'll bet uh, you it's dark up there now. It is. It is. <laughs> except for the <laughs> moonshine off of the except there you the shine off the snow, which is nice. Yeah, that's pretty. Snow. It's snow. What's it's that? Dark. It's dark here too. Imagine that. Yeah. Well, we're Our temperature indicator our... in the car said 70 this afternoon. I didn't see any snow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I don't a... want to talk to you anymore, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to pick on him tonight. Cause, what do you cause got you for know... us tonight, young man? <laughs> <laughs> well, my good news is, except for the snow, um, is that uh, I uh, received it. Uh, I, I filed the... Uh, FDCPA lawsuit uh, uh-huh. that I spoke with you all about, about right. a couple of weeks ago, and I did get a uh, email back today that <clears throat> they want to settle for the uh, for the uh, one thousand dollar fee, the fine, and uh, also the four hundred dollar court costs. Good. So uh, they're willing which to one, do that. Which one was that? It's a FDCPA lawsuit. Oh, I, I filed. A, a, uh, against a collection agency here. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah, they yeah, were the ones so that, that uh, gave you the the goofy explanation that somebody screwed up something and it overwrote yeah, this and that and all that. You know, bottom line yeah. is it, it it doesn't make what any difference what you say. You still violate it, so at least they're not giving you a big hassle. They're gonna they're gonna cough up and pay you, which is great. Yeah, I think they know that the court's gonna go. Well, why is that his fault? <laughs> You well, know. they they just don't want to spend the money on litigation, which is a smart move on their part. You yeah. know, they got caught with their underwear around their ankles, and it's like, you know, well, let's let's not step in any more doo doo. Um, let's just pay the guy, and we're done. Yeah, they're a lot smarter than the CRAs lately. Yeah. Well, I can't believe that it it went that smoothly. Um, but uh, this is my first uh, taste of getting uh, getting paid. And um, anyway, that's that's my good news, and I just want to thank great. you. That's great. I've got some uh, questions um, related to that, but I'll just get back in the queue, and I'll, I can uh, I can ask them later. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna mute for a second here because I gotta go close the window. Somebody. Was it somebody, some, yeah, somebody being stupid outside with rap music loud in the parking lot out here. Oh, we couldn't hear it. So. Yeah, well, I sure could. They were saving you money on electric, Dave. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they'd be saving themselves a, a more of a problem if they shut it off, which they just did. I don't tolerate that stuff around here. In fact, it's <laughs> it's really kind of interesting. I had a bunch of problems for a substantial period of time with people that moved in below me. Uh, Hispanic family. Um, the uh, 
the lady seemed quite nice when they moved in. I had a couple of short conversations with them, but her husband was a bit of a problem, to say the least. Um, out here drinking, staggering, drunk, peeing on the parking lot, stupid stuff over an extended period of time, a lot of loud noise. And, of course, I dealt with it appropriately, and the police were out here several times, and security was out here several times, and they got notices from the office, so on and so forth. You know, I'm just not going to live in that kind of neighborhood. And uh, haven't had any problems with them for quite a while. And she was out in the parking lot. Oh, she, she wouldn't talk to me. I mean, she wouldn't even look at me you know, with all that stuff going on. She was out in the parking lot yesterday. I went outside my door out in the uh, uh, breezeway out here, and she looked up and saw me and waved her hand and said hi, smiled at me and everything. I, of course, I said hi back. I was very friendly to her. They, You know, evidently they got the message. You know, just be a good neighbor, and I'm a great neighbor. You know, I don't make a bunch of noise and bother people, and I look out for people's safety and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Sometimes you got to be the bad guy. But, like I say, I'm not going to live in that kind of neighborhood. All right. If anybody has questions for us tonight, star eight. That's how you put yourself in the queue. Hit star eight. And uh, please have yourself uh, muted using star six before that, if you would. And uh, that'll make things easier. We have Gigi Boss with us tonight. And we haven't talked to her in a long time. Yeah. I know. Happy New Year. (laughs) Man, that was a long time ago. It's almost (laughs) Easter, (laughs) Gigi. Yeah. Jeez. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. I can't Good. complain. Yeah, but, all you right. know, if she doesn't want to pop her head up till daylight savings time, <laughs> I'm all for it. Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, I hadn't called in in a while because I hadn't uh, had anyone to sue in a while. So um, <laughs> yeah, I'm about to get oh, back darn, on it. Oh, darn, huh? <laughs> I exhausted <laughs> all of my remedies. Um. So back in 20... 20- 15, I think it was, or 14, one of them. But anyway, uh, I did uh, have a question for someone. One of my uh, clients, he had sued a a debt collector back in 2013. No, it was 2015. Um, And the debt collector hadn't done anything. You know, they sent him a, a 1099 miscellaneous. And so um, The debt collector sent it to him? Well, you know, no, the IRS sent it to him on behalf of the debt collector. But I was just wondering, well, I guess, no, 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 it was the debt collector. Yeah, the debt collector sent him a 1099 miscellaneous. They can't send you a 1099. Exactly. <laughs> so so what happened was um, they sent it to him. Of course, he didn't file 2016. And then come last year, uh, he gets a letter from the IRS basically uh-huh. saying, hey, you owe some money on this quote-unquote yeah. income. Right. Okay. Did, so, you know, I, I'm assuming that after he got that 1099, he did not file a 3949A and dispute it? No, but that's where that's why I called in. That's actually what I was thinking about helping him do. 
So I just wanted to see how you all went about it, and I can help them go about it that way. Yeah, generally uh, what we do is uh, uh, we don't talk a lot about the tax stuff because obviously right. we don't mm-hmm. give tax advice or anything, but, yeah, right. we always use a 3949A. Okay. All right. Well, and and explain to the IRS that the that, uh, the alleged debt is in dispute and it's never been uh, validated. Right. Okay. Well, that was short and sweet. That was just as short and sweet as what's her name, Sandra's. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, All right. Sometimes it works that way. Not always, but sometimes it does work out that way. I'd like to see one that that says. TransUnion uh, uh, wishes to notify the court that they're just going to shut up and pay the woman. <laughs> oh, wow. Only that scary. I'll have to wait and see. All right. All righty. All right. Well, well, is that all I'll, you need I'll then? let it be another year before I call in. Make oh, okay. Well, all we're right, here. We've, we, we've never missed a Monday night. It'll <laughs> I be, know, uh, right. I think it'll be Thank nine you. years in June. There's nothing stopping you from um, joining into the current project. Everybody's coming in at different uh, different times, and that would give you, you know, somebody to sue. <laughs> oh, that's why I'm here. Uh, that's why I'm starting back up. So you're there right you on. go. Oh, wait. Well, don't miss. Um, in fact, uh, get go on the website, and I'm in the middle of doing a webinar series on this this project, and there has been part one and part two, which gives you all of the basics, and this Wednesday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon will be part three, where we're going to go over the letters that you sent. Okay, now I know you you were going to do another letter from the very first one that you did because of some... Yeah, the ones that that are provided with uh, this Wednesday's part three of the webinar series will be the new ones. Okay, great. I'll be there. All right. Thank you all. Have a great one. All right. You too. Thank you. Bye. All right. Let's go out to Cornstalk Country, Western Iowa. Well, that was fast. I was just on. Um, This is Joe again up here in good old sunny South Dakota. Um, I just wanted to uh, ask a couple of questions regarding the the FDCPA lawsuit settlement. Um, the lawyer representing the uh, collection company, uh, when she sent me the email uh, notifying me that they were willing to settle, uh, they sent me a couple of forms as well. Um, you guys that's what I was going to say. I, I figured you guys were familiar with these. I've filled many of those out. <laughs> I'm sorry? I've filled many of those out. They sent me, me that, too. and they also... What? I said me too. You too? Okay. And they also sent me a, a confidential settlement agreement and release mm-hmm. form. Right. Right. So, again, I'm assuming that these are formalities. Right. But be very, be be very, very careful. Read that settlement agreement, every word. Think about it. Make sure they're not be, sneaking stuff in there, like 
getting you to agree that everything they do in the future is covered and you aren't going to be able to sue them or, you know, get you to agree to things outside the case, be very careful with that. Make sure you read it and understand it before you agree to sign it. Yeah, the the big thing that you're the language you're going to want to look for is something to the effect of you know that that for you know you're uh, settling all claims from the beginning of time or the beginning of the world and and you guys may find those words funny but that's exactly the language they use in these yeah. from the beginning of time until the date. Uh, that this settlement agreement is signed. That's what you want, that the it covers uh, your uh, settling all claims that you have against them up to the date that you sign that settlement agreement. You don't want it to okay. say, you know, uh, uh, you're releasing all claims forever. No, because that would say they could go and violate next week and you couldn't do anything about it. So look for that language. It'll be in there probably somewhere in the neighborhood of halfway through it. You know, there's I've <laughs> I've read so many of those things, it's just amazing. Um and I've made a whole lot of corrections in them because they had the wrong genders and they oh, I mean they, they you name it, I've found it in there. But that's the that's the language you want to look for that uh, it, it you're uh, settling everything up until the date of signing of the agreement. And the other thing to look for, make sure that they are not getting you to agree to dismiss them from the case before they pay you, that they have a a, a set agreement on uh, how many days uh, till they, they give you the money and that uh, you will dismiss them from the case after you receive the proceeds. Yeah, yeah. You, that you you want to have it in there that you will uh, dismiss the case, or you'll you'll uh, agree to file a stipulated dismissal with prejudice, because that's what they're going to want with prejudice. Right. Uh, within five days of your receipt of the settlement funds or settlement proceeds, you don't dismiss okay. it until you get your money. All right. I believe I've seen. I believe I've seen that language in here, um, from what I've read. Um, but I will go ahead and, and reread it again. Of course, my my two questions regard um, uh, section seven. They say release by claimants, and yeah. that I think is what I think that's what you guys are talking about, where they uh, want. To be released from any other future litigation um, regarding this particular violation. Um, right, right. They don't want you coming up and in, in, uh, litigating on the same thing, and that's fine. That language is fine. Right, right. right. Well, they say, and I've highlighted a couple of sentences here. It says that uh, the claimant acknowledges and agrees, and unconditionally, irrevocably, forever and fully releases, acquits, and forever discharges Chase Bank and their predecessors 
blah, 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 from any and all claims that were or could have been raised in the alleged claim. So I'm interpreting that as saying that they are they want me simply to waiver any uh, future well, litigation. Well, they're, they're wanting they're wanting you. Yeah, they're wanting it's you to waive. Yeah, they're wanting you to waive stuff against Chase, but Chase wasn't trying to collect it, were they? No. And no, see, that's a, that's a problem. Okay. Because mm-hmm. what happens if Chase gives that to another debt collector? Yeah. Well, they have already, and, and they and they violate the law. Okay. There's a problem that you're what you're doing is you're giving them a free pass they can do whatever they want you know the only person i'm going to absolve of liability is the one who's trying to collect from me well the one who's the party to the suit right if chase is okay. not a party to the suit that's outside the four corners of that complaint right and right you shouldn't be uh, giving blanket immunity to anyone outside the complaint right okay all right. Yeah, I I go back and discuss that, tell them Chase needs to be taken out of there that this is this is uh, deals only with the uh party to the suit, the debt collector. But right. it's it's not because, you know, uh Chase can come along and and do something in violation of the law in the future and then you'd be stuck you couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. They could right. do it with impunity and it's like, no. Because Chase, see the the and and the thing to explain to her is Chase didn't violate anything here, so there's no reason for me to absolve them of any liability. I'm absolving, you know, X Y Z of liability because they're the ones that violated the law, and that's it. That's that's as far as it goes. And that's exactly the yeah. kind of sneaky stuff I was talking about. Right. Well, that's what I was kind of wondering. I see some other language in here mentioning Chase Bank, so um, I'll. I'll go through this again, and I'll, uh, I'll 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 get back to the lawyer with the email, yeah. um, making some objections about any mention of Chase Bank right. um, at all. Um, so that was my question: uh, yep. what they might be trying to, to pull, um, how sneaky they might be trying to get with this. This that's uh, not unusual. Form. Yeah, uh, I can. I kind of thought maybe it wouldn't. It wasn't going to be too unusual. Um, again, I the fact that they were able to, the fact that they wanted to settle so quickly to raise, you know, kind of a kind of a red flag for me. Uh, I thought maybe they were trying to settle for fourteen hundred now, and and so that they could, you know, uh, save a lot more money in the future which is kind of what it sounds like you guys are saying they're probably trying to do here. Well, they it, it, what it, you don't know what they're going to do in the future. The the problem yeah. is, you know, you didn't have an action against Chase. Right. So, there isn't any reason to extend the uh, any release to them. They didn't violate the law. You're you're going to you're going to you know, absolve the party that uh, violated the law and stuff. It wasn't Chase. But you're not going to give everybody and their brother's uh, uncle, sister, and aunt and cousin 
uh, a release of liability just because little Tommy did something. Um, should I just go ahead and send a short email suggesting that all references to Chase Bank need to be released, need to be um, redacted from any other future? I, I think that's probably what I would do. Is you know, uh, uh, thank you for thank you for sending the settlement agreement. Upon reviewing it, I see that you are uh, uh, wanting me to uh, uh, include Chase in in any in all release of liability. I made no claims against Chase. There's no reason for Chase to be involved in any release of liability here. Um, you know, I, I, I'll release the uh, debt collection company. Uh, you know, the ones that uh, violated, and we'll let it go at that. What if in the future uh, this particular collection company comes after me with a different credit card account? That's totally different because you're dealing with these specific claims, the, the claims that you brought in your lawsuit, because your your settlement agreement should state something to the effect of all claims brought in this lawsuit. Okay. They'll be, they'll be, you know, read it carefully, and and you'll probably find something in there like that. And then I any new I suit, yeah. any new suit would be a separate nucleus of operative facts, which gives rise to your new lawsuit against them. Right. Okay. That sounds good. Okay. Well, that answers my question about that. And as far as the W nine, uh, just go ahead and. Uh, Fill that out and send that. I've filled out many, many of those, and then if they send you a 1099, I just do a 3949A. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, my other question is, uh, and I guess this uh, goes back to you, John, and the homework assignment you gave me. If you remember correctly, you wanted me to. Uh, uh, this is uh, regarding the LLC that I, uh, the checking account that I yep. opened up for. The LLC. I uh, went ahead and got an EIN, EIN number for the LLC, mm-hmm. and I sent that over to the bank uh, for them to replace uh, uh, instead of my Social Security number. You so told them you made a mistake, right? <laughs> and they took it. I I just uh, I told them well when I first filled out the LLC last uh, Friday. I told them that I would be uh, bringing the EIN number in as soon as I got it. So they knew that it was forthcoming. Right. Should I follow through on that and make sure that they... Make sure they do it. Yep. All right. Make sure you can never rely on people. They're only people. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not a priority for them. It's a priority for you. You you know, so just, you know, measure twice, cut once. (laughs) Okay. And good work on okay. that. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for your. Did you uh, get a Did you get a um, a bank check and take it to work? Did you get a blank one to take to work to get your direct deposit going? No, uh, I was going to do that today. I didn't go out because of our wonderful blizzard event that we're having up here. So I'm going to take care of that tomorrow. Okay. Um, but I have a, a question um, about. Um, the, uh, you also uh, suggested that I uh, send dispute letters to uh, 
Experian and TransUnion um, and Equifax disputing my uh, employment status. Yeah. So I've got that letter made up and it's ready to go. Uh, but you also wanted me to uh, change my cell phone number and have it listed as a as a home phone number. Now the well, question I, I have that. I would, and I don't know if it's a dispute, but, you know, do you want to correct incorrect information? The question I have there about the phone number is that on two of my reports on uh, Equifax and on um, Experian, they don't have my phone number listed at all, not my current phone number. Um, as a matter of fact, only on... Uh, TransUnion, do they have my current phone number listed? So do I, do I even want to uh, send a letter uh, to the other two? I don't think I would. Nah, just let dead, log, dead dogs lie. Because, I mean, you know, they're going to hire a skip tracer to start, call, you know, to get the phone number to call you anyways. And um, if it's on your credit report, yeah, and it says your home number. Well, that might you know work out. To add it on there, that would be up to you if you wanted to add it on there or not. You know. Yeah, I don't. And you don't. I don't want to do that. Um, well, then don't I, do I, it. I, I, yeah. You, so uh, the only one, like I said, that had my current number listed was TransUnion. So I should go ahead and send them a letter saying that this current phone number is my home phone number. If you don't even if you don't even want your phone number on there, just tell them to delete it. Tell them it's not correct and delete it. Okay. If if you don't well, want yeah, it, well, yeah, I'd rather do that. I'd rather do that. What state are you in? South Dakota. Uh huh. You know, you can even, um, you know, the U.S. Postal Service was going out of business because they couldn't compete with FedEx and UPS. You know, mailboxes, people didn't want them because you could go to the UPS store and get one that said sweet number, you know, so it looked like you had a real address and all this. And um, But they got their act together. I'm a, I'm a big, you know, I, I support the First Amendment. You know, I don't care who you are, if you're a libtard or if you're, you know, right wing, you have the ability to speak. You also have the ability to keep and bear arms. But the, the post office is guaranteed, okay? And I believe in paying for the green card and the certified return receipt. Well, they got their acts together, their act together. And, um, you know, they you can get um, street addressing on a P.O. box, okay? And your address becomes, you, you get a P.O. box and you have to sign up for street addressing, you have to find out from your post office. You can do it online first to see if they have it. So um, you can get, you know, if it's 123 Main Street where the post office is, it will be 123 Main Street unit number 3250 if your box is 3250. Or you can just put a pound sign in, in 3250. You just can't say suite and you can't say apartment. They won't accept it coming in that way, even though. 
depending on your postmaster, they might. But, you know, you figure that most people don't write out apartment and stuff and things like that. They just put a pound sign. And unit sounds like you're at a commercial, you know, that you're at an office building or something. So if if you want to do that, you can do that. And then, like, where I am, you can do your driver's license renewal on the Internet. You can go in there and change your address, you know, because by law here you have to change your address within 10 days of moving, blah, blah, blah. You pay them 25 bucks and they mail you a new one. So once you have your license, you can go and then you can take your postal street address from the um, post office and put that on there because most places say, oh, you can't have a P.O. box. You have to have a street address. Well, the U.S. government selling you a street address at the post office. So what's wrong with that? And, and then you okay. can convert you can convert your whole credit profile over to not where you live if you want a bit of anonymity. Not to say they won't track you down, but you know what I mean. Right. You could do that. Right. And 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 I believe in doing this. This is way off to the side of these calls, but it really isn't when we talk about um, protecting your money. I believe in doing mm-hmm. this for a reason. Is because people hack your data or they steal your mail. I mean, you can Mm -hmm. steal someone's mail and you can break into their car and get their driver's license potentially if they left their wallet there. I mean, hell, you got everything. But if you have all of your mail and all of your stuff going to to a box number that's got street addressing, people are going to be hard-pressed to steal your identity and they're not going to steal your mail because... um, it's going to a box. I mean, it's going to be the postman that steals it. And then depending on where you live, if you have a lazy postman who, you know, takes antidepressants and throws it all in a dumpster or down the drain, and believe you me, it happens. It really does oh, happen. Oh, boy. Yes, it does. That, that at the post office, it's so automated, you know, they're not going to take it out of the building to throw it away. Those guys that got the inside jobs that don't have to walk, they're going to put it in your box. So um, just, you know, food for thought for not a lot of investment. You can – stuff like that's possible. Okay. And for anyone, yeah. that's li- for anyone that's listening that lives out of a car, you can do the same thing because, you know, if you get hassled, then they can't call you a transient because you get a street address. Sounds like you've been reading some J.J. Luna. Oh, I've I I know him. <laughs> I've 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 heard on your webinars you mention him. That's that's why yeah. I bring him up. I've I listen to your uh, yeah, protecting he, your money webinar. He's pretty old and he's just he's he's retired now. He still does consulting, but he sold his whole business off. But um, he's got good stuff. And there are things you know they've changed changed things around. But it's nice to know that the U.S. Postal Service has kept up with the times to effectively compete. Now, my last pitch on the Postal Service is now they partner with both um, UPS and FedEx doing last mile delivery, and now they're sidestepping UPS and FedEx doing it with Amazon. So Amazon yeah. moves stuff from their big warehouse to their local warehouse, and then they drop the, the truck drops it off at your local post office, so they get a discounted rate for just the carrier bringing it to your property. And the, I mean that that someone's got a brain that works there now, and I'm proud of them. 
Well, I want to say thank you because I work for the post office. <laughs> so you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Well, to some degree, you're a lot more knowledgeable about this stuff than I am. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm I'm aware of the Amazon deal. That was probably the best deal Amazon ever made. Yep. You know, they're, they're making... They're making not like a bandit on that one, but uh, the, it is. It is. Go ahead. The last thing they offer, not in every zip code, but if you guys don't have this, you should. You can check online to see if it's available. It's called uh, USPS Informed Delivery. Now, every piece of first-class mail or a regular mail that goes through the system, they take an image of the front of the envelope. Okay, so with informed delivery, you get an email the night before telling you that it's going to be delivered that day or the next day with an image of what you've got coming. So if someone's screwing with you and stealing your mail or if your postman's slacking, when it goes through the the local distribution center, the image is captured and it's emailed to you. And that is so cool, number one. And number two, all inbound packages coming to you from USPS, it automatically starts sending you notifications that it's hit this facility, it's hit that facility, the time it's expected to be delivered. People, you know, people need to know that in this day day and age so their packages aren't stolen off the front step and stuff. And um, if you live in a house, get to know your postman. They're nice people. Yeah, I knew about the imaging, but I didn't know about the informed delivery. Hmm. Look it up. That's really something. Informed delivery. Okay, well, I <laughs> I can't really think of anything else here uh, to go over. Um, I will, I'll be dropping by the bank tomorrow, and I'll, I'll get the, uh, the, the checks that you... Uh, told me to get um, the counter checks. And I'll double yeah, they'll, check they'll and just make give sure. you a, a sample check. Just tell them you need like three of them so you can get your direct deposit set up and start giving them money. And they'll be like, oh boy, a customer. <laughs> yeah, one, one other question about the direct deposit. My wife, she has her own a checking account. My name is not on it mm-hmm. at all. Would it be just as effective, just as safe, if I were to use her checking account as my direct deposit? That well, depends on, on the state that you live in. If it's a, if it's a common law state, um, what's yours is yours, what's hers is, is hers. Mm-hmm. So I don't believe it's a common law state, uh, but I'll, I'll double check. If it's a community property state, then they can attach what's hers. Right. And if they really dig in to look and they can see that uh, your check is being direct deposited in her account, they can parse out Mm -hmm. what portion is yours. I see. Okay. Okay. But once it goes into an LLC and, you know, when we get your money start flowing in there, we're going to talk about that. But when you when you divide the interest in your LLC between yourself and one of Mark Warda's personal property trusts or two of those, mm-hmm. then yeah. I mean they got to figure they got a, they got a a lot more problems than you want to deal with <laughs> than they okay. want to deal with. So that's a couple of steps in the future the personal property trust setup. Well, you got other stuff to work on right now. Right. We're helping right. you take it one bite at a time. 
<laughs> I know these are they're big enough bites as it is for my slowly shrinking brain. So I I do appreciate that. Um, that's why Dave. That's why Dave and Terry host two nights a week. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, you guys are. I I I can't tell you how much you know. I appreciate you know what you're doing, and I know I speak for everybody who's listening. Um, but I'll I'll go ahead and, and go, get off now and let somebody else have a chance. Thank you again so much for all your your time and your and all your help. And thank you're you very for your welcome at the post office. Okay. <laughs> all right, all right. Thank you very much. Bye. All right. We're going to go to North Georgia. You're unmuted. Go ahead. Good evening, good evening. This is Charles from Atlanta. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. How's Atlanta tonight? Uh, not bad, not bad. Slightly cool, but it's it's not bad. Good. Okay. What's up tonight? Uh, I think I chatted with you guys last Monday about the uh, garnishment that my buddy's going through. Mm-hmm. And so I know you mentioned about the uh, debt validation letter. We've got that pretty much together and about to, uh, I think he's going to mail that on tomorrow. But uh, I was wondering, is there, like, I guess he was, he's really trying to, like, uh, I think he gets paid, like, every two weeks. And uh, he might have a pay period coming up, like, this Friday. But I know this month, I think he's something about three times he'll get paid. Uh, is there any uh, additional letter or information that you can put in the debt validation or maybe will the debt validation come no. and then pause? No. Okay. No. No. Okay. And that, very honestly, that debt validation should have been sent out in 48 hours. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's, it's very, very simple. It's just get it done. The longer you delay, the longer you potentially have a problem. When, yeah, it's going to go out tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but there isn't any magic language or anything like that because a validation letter is just a simple request. You're you're saying I owe money, validate the debt. That's all it is. You can't turn it into anything else, and and you shouldn't even attempt to. Okay. All right. Great. Great. Okay. All right. Then I've got I've got one more. Um, still dealing with this. Um, these uh, uh, telephone calls and everything from ACA, they made a, They sent an offer about two weeks ago. So it went from the first offer was 500 cash, um, dropping the balance of the debt, which there is no balance, and removing it off the credit report. This is, so you know we, you know we sent that in and said that, that was ridiculous. Uh, made a counter offer and um, um, which was 45,000. It was a counter offer. The actual damages in this thing, if it went to court and the judge did the, you know, the trouble damages on it would be about 62. So uh, I, I just made a count of 45. So we went from their little 500 and other little two stipulations to 45,000. They sent uh, a reply back like maybe three weeks later, okay, saying that, you know, okay, we'll give you 2,500. So, of course, you know, I sent that back and I told them that was a ridiculous and an insult to, uh, to my intelligence. Right. Uh, you know, I, I come as close to the 45 as you possibly can. So I haven't heard anything back from them. And this, this was, I think, on the 23rd that uh, that email reply was sent back. Um, was that a February? At February, yes. Yeah. So I know you said to uh, to be patient. 
And how, how long do you battle back and forth with this thing, you know, in, in this uh, uh, settlement stage, okay, you know, that's, before you... That's something that there, there's no standard practice or anything. Mm-hmm. It just depends on what it is. If you're maintaining communication, if you're making some mm-hmm. progress, um, my suggestion is to uh, keep going with it. And as a good example... Uh, I had one situation where uh, I had phone calls from a debt collector, and they offered, uh, well, I I think it was $1,000 to begin with. And uh, I spent six months negotiating with them, six months. But at first, the attorney that I was dealing with was on the other side of the world, literally, he was in the Philippines, okay. I think. But anyway, um, you know, and we had communication enough. problems because we were like twelve, you know, twelve hours different. He was up when I was sleeping, and vice versa. But I, I went back and forth and back and forth. It was a very slow progress, but we kept, I kept getting him up. They, we kept making progress, and in the end, after six months, I got thirteen thousand. So to go from a thousand to thirteen thousand, uh, sure, I had to, I had to spend six months doing it. But the the key to it is, if I wasn't making progress, I would have cut it off and just, you know, said, okay, hey, I'll, I'm just going to sue them, forget it. <clears throat> okay, all right. Well. So you know, it's it's one of those things you just really got to play by ear. But you know, I take a, uh, I I I take a firm stand but i always let them know look you know you're just not where you need to be you know i understand that you're trying to save money or you're trying to save your client money and everything but look this isn't a real egregious situation here i mean you know uh you really expect me to forego sixty seventy thousand dollars in damages for three thousand dollars you know if you were in my position would you do that I don't think so. You know, turn the tables a little bit on on that. You know, I, I'm not I'm not saying that I I want the full sixty or seventy thousand, but I'm you know I'm not into discounts like that. I don't know of anybody in the world that gives that percentage discounts on anything, and don't expect it from me. Right. But you know, here again, like I say, for me the the best the the best measure. Is are you making progress? Now you say it was the 23rd of February. Today's what's left of it is the 5th of March. Mm-hmm. I think I drop an email tomorrow. You know, uh, I want to touch base with you. You said you were going to get back to me, or you know, whatever they had said, or something like that. I haven't heard anything, and I just want to know where we stand on this. So, you know, are, are we going to continue trying to reach a settlement on this, or should I just move forward with litigation? Right. You know, keep the keep the communication going, and if they drop the ball, pick it up and say, "Hey, you know, I haven't heard from you. You said you were going to do such and such, so and so, and you know, I'm I'm all for getting this settled if I possibly can, which I'm sure your client wants to too. You know, there's a little power of suggestion to throw out at them, mm-hmm. but you know, we're not going to get anything resolved if we aren't communicating. So I need to hear from you. Okay, sounds good. I like that. All right. I appreciate it. I think that's all I have for uh for the moment. Um Okay. 
I should have um yeah, hopefully I'll get that email out tomorrow and hopefully we can get an answer um by the time the call is next uh Monday. Well you got Terry's call on Thursday night. Yeah, I'll definitely be on it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just rattle rattle his cage. He, he, he here again, like I've said so many times before. If you're not communicating, I guarantee you, you ain't going to get a check. Mm-hmm. So they aren't just going to all of a sudden send you a check and go, oh, wow, geez, I had no idea this was coming. No. If you're not, if you are not communicating, you are not producing any kind of a situation, you're not involved in any kind of a situation where you could get a settlement on something. So keep that communication going. And sometimes the other side, you got to kind of, you know, kick him in the ankle, you know, hit him in the shin bones, and like, look, hey, dummy, um, you know, you said you were going to get a hold of me last week, and you didn't. So here it is. It's it's Monday. Uh, I hadn't heard anything. And in, in fact, to be honest with you, if I were in your shoes, what I would do is send him an email on that, have it all set tonight, write it, and send it first thing tomorrow morning. Okay. So that when he gets in there, your email's right on the top of the pile. Because if you send okay. it tonight, it'll be down a ways, uh, depending on right. how many emails I get. But send right. it about 8 o'clock in the morning and say, hey, you know, I haven't heard anything. You said you were going to do such and such, so-and-so. I need to hear from you. Okay. Got it. You know, along that line, do you use Microsoft Outlook? I do. Okay. Well, when you go into Microsoft Outlook... Um, when you go to when you go to send an email, the up up towards the top under options, then you go to delayed delivery, and click on delayed delivery, and you can set the exact time you want the email sent. Oh wow! Okay. And there's also buttons for request a delivery receipt and request a read receipt. Whenever I'm dealing with the attorney, I request both because the delivery receipt shows when it hit the mailbox and the read receipt shows when he opened his email. And most lawyers use Outlook or an equivalent and generally they automatically send that back and you get that as a proof that they received it on the other end or semi-proof. But the delayed delivery, you can send time. And there was one lawyer who... <clears throat> Mikhail, who uh, we all love, and um, one day we were ju- we just got into it hot and heavy with all kinds of stuff, and I set up a drip campaign to so that each of the things that I was doing was like hitting, and then a half an hour later another one, and a half an hour later another one, and a half an hour later another one, and it worked. It really frustrated him. I bet it did. Yeah, that would have ticked me off. Well, I mean, he was being a dick. (laughs) (laughs) Quite frankly, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you get what you deal out. But, um, yeah, just check that out, dude, because, I mean, then if you, you you know, depending on your schedule, you don't have to, you know, screw up your sleep if you have to get up at 8 o'clock in the morning and send it if you work late or something. You know, I don't know what your deal is, but it's good to be able to time things that way. And uh, it's just like people think, oh, they were up late filing it at the courthouse, you know, filing it through whatever. Now, the same thing the lawyers use for uploading their documents. They can set the time that it uploads, too. Right. So. Okay. 
Appreciate that, John. <laughs> no worries. Go hammer them. All right. All right. Well, guys, I think that's all I have, so I'll uh, keep you posted. Appreciate your help. All righty. All right, Thank you, sir. Okay, keep bye. after them. That's, that's we'll good. Do. Yeah. We'll do. It is good. All right. Who else has got a question or comment for us? I don't see another hand up. And if we don't get any other questions or comments, I think everybody knows what we're going to do. We're going to say sayonara. Because we're not here just to hear ourselves talk. We're here to uh, try to uh, educate people and help them with their situations. Uh, I've got other things to do. One thing is I want to go see how my... Uh, dry ice is doing. I don't know, John. I don't think you were on the on the phone when I mentioned. No, that. I didn't hear that. Oh yeah, I had a little uh, fiasco. I, I go in, uh, go to my chest freezer tonight and think I'm just gonna take and get a few shrimp and thaw them out and cook them for dinner. Well, they weren't exactly frozen hard, along with some other things in there. <laughs> my freezer quit and uh, I, I I was in there uh, can't remember what it was yeah it was, it was yesterday that was the last time I was in there it was yesterday morning and uh, anyway uh, some of my stuff the stuff's still cold stuff's down the bottom big things they were still frozen solid but uh, stuff that was up on top in the baskets because this is a, about a five foot long chest freezer and uh, the stuff up there was cold. It was refrigerated, but it wasn't frozen. So I beat feet out of here and went to Kroger, and I found this, you know, late, not real long before the call. And uh, I beat feet over to Kroger and bought a 10-pound block of uh, dry ice. Mm. And where was the bacon? Uh, the, bacon <laughs> the bacon is okay so far. That's the important part. Uh, that's right, yeah. The real disaster, John. Yeah. Well, the, and there's a lot of bacon in there. I've I've got I've probably got about twenty five, twenty eight pounds of bacon in there. That's the, my uh, kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have bacon every day for breakfast. A rare occasion, once in a while, I'll trade off and I'll have some sausage just for something different. But I mean, I'm I'm the bacon guy, everybody. I am the bacon guy. And, uh, you know, I, uh, that actually helps me maintain my weight. Most people would think, oh, my God, all that fat, you eat all that stuff. Oh, oh. You, you be getting, oh, no. That's actually good for you. It's the that, grains that, that are bad for you. That's right. It's the grains. I quit eating cereal. I don't eat cereal anymore. Yeah. And, grains and seeds uh, and tubers. Yep. And uh, once in a while, I, I have a treat like uh I, I i enjoy breakfast i mean breakfast is a is my favorite meal of the day but uh not because i'm so hungry in the morning i've just always liked breakfast but uh every once in a while i'll treat myself and have a couple pieces of toast but i don't it takes me four to six weeks to go through a loaf of bread you know i keep it frozen in the freezer and you know when i want some bread for something i take it out and whip in the microwave for 14 seconds for two slices and and then I'm good to go, but you know that I I do eat my bacon. I've got plenty of bacon in there because they've had some good deals on it lately, uh, some sales, and uh, 
I'm real picky about them. I'm I'm that guy that gets down on one knee in front of the uh, cooler at the store, and I go through every single package of bacon that's in there and find the stuff with the most red meat. You're as bad as me. Uh, I've been doing that for so many years. Oh, dear. But uh, anyway, well, I don't see anybody else popping their head up here, so uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. We're just a little bit early tonight. Uh, We've had some calls that have run quite a ways over, and every once in a while we'll have one that will be a little shorter, and that's fine as long as we uh, answered questions for everybody that needed help tonight. That's our purpose in being here. And I want to thank Terry and John for uh, joining me. Thanks, you guys. Tomorrow night, Blog Talk Radio. This is the busy week. This is Blog Talk Radio this week, and then uh, that's at 8 o'clock Eastern Time. Then on Wednesday afternoon at 3 o'clock, Terry is doing installment three of the Full File Disclosure Project. She is going to be going over the new letters that we redid. We uh, uh, buttoned up a few little things that were on there. No major changes, just some enhancement language to you know cover some bases. Things that we learned and understood from the responses we've been getting uh, to our uh, our cases. So uh, we're going to be working on getting the uh, complaint redone. We're going to be adding some stuff to that. And uh, personally, myself, I uh, just yesterday, in one day, uh, as Terry knows, some of us work differently than others. We've had a lot of discussion. In fact, we had a three-hour conference call Saturday morning uh, with a couple of attorneys and our people, John and Terry, myself, and uh, uh, Thomas, our our insider used to uh, work inside the CRAs, and we, and we were discussing various aspects of things with discovery and everything. And, and very honestly, I was not really sure how I wanted to pursue things here because, you know, I'm the tip of the spear, and how did I want to pursue things on discovery? And I really very honestly was in a quandary, but I, what I do is I let it rattle around in my mostly empty head. And... I have to wait until the time that I become more creative where I can sit down and start putting stuff on paper. And I literally went from Saturday having all this discussion, almost information overload with three hours, come away from that still not really having any idea how I wanted to proceed, how I wanted to lay things out. I got up Sunday morning. I spent yesterday and got all of the admissions, interrogatories, and production done in one day. It just, it all came together. The ideas popped into my head. It all came together. I typed everything out, and the documents are literally all ready to be served on Experian. They're the first one I'm going to, and then the second one will be Equifax. Of course, there'll have to be some adjustments with Equifax, but um, it's sometimes that's just the way things work. So... Uh, that stuff, of course, does not get posted on PACER, but we will make that kind of information uh, available to people, and we will let you know where it's going to be so that people have got access to those types of things. And then we will have some discussion about it as we go forward so that you guys uh, have an idea. Well, I'll discuss my strategy in how I'm doing it, and it's going to be very, very interesting to see how they respond. 
isn't it, Terry? Terry's read them. I don't know if John had a chance to read the stuff I did send. Oh um, yeah, there. <laughs> it is such an ironclad trap. Well, like I said, it's going to be really interesting to see how they. Well, they're they damned answer. if they do and damned if they don't. Well, you you and and what I did is I tied the interrogatories to the admissions and I tied the production to the interrogatories. In such a way that regardless of what the answer is, they're toasted ash. They have a problem on their hands. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that's the stuff that's going on with that. Uh, tomorrow night again, Blog Talk Radio, 8 o'clock Eastern. Uh, Wednesday afternoon, 3 o'clock, the webinar uh, with Terry. If uh, you're not able to make that, as usual, they're all uh, archived. And if you're not a member, well, I don't know what to tell you because you have to be a member to get in there and get the information off the website. And by the way, with the uh, webinar on Wednesday, Terry will uh, have those other letters available there for download. Uh, on the website, and anybody that's going to be on the webinar, I would suggest that you uh, get the uh, documents from the website, download them before the webinar, so as she's talking about things and making reference to stuff that uh, you have that in front of you so that uh, you understand what's going on. Right. But uh, then, of course, Thursday night, Terry's call, as usual. That's at 8 o'clock Eastern Time, and if for some reason you're not on her email list, send an email to queensongbird at gmail.com. Just say, please put me on the list. That way you get things uh, sent out to you, including the link uh, after her calls are done, because she has to send a link out to access the call recordings uh, with TalkShoe here. It's automated with uh, t- uh freeconferencing.com it is not so uh, she has to send the link out to you but uh, we're on our way with this stuff we are having success so far we are getting them to back off of these idiotic um, affirmative defenses that doesn't mean the battle's over it doesn't mean that we've won the war it's just starting but we're learning a lot we're getting a feel for how they are pushing back, and quite frankly, they're not being real intelligent about it. Now, I don't know whether they're going to get smarter as they go forward further or not. We'll we'll find out. So that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Thanks again, John, Terry. Appreciate you guys being here. And we will talk to everybody on Blog Talk Radio tomorrow night at 8 o'clock Eastern. We'll all be there. Good night, everybody. We'll see you then. Good night. Good night. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.